Yeah. What's good, y'all? You are now tuning into the hottest, most exciting, knowledgeable, authentic, gregarious, and uh, a plum podcast straight to the p- 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 point. Yes, sir. I got a new one for y'all today. Um, side note, I do believe I used a plum right. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, a plum. Um, straight out the memory bank, man. You know, we're trying to use these big words now because, you know, we, we leveling, leveling it up, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm pretty sure a plum was right. Uh, I remember that in English class. I think it's like self-confidence. And we're a confident group of individuals, so I'm a plum in the word a plum being correct. Uh, but nah, man, uh, it's just your boy Dave today, man, um, also known as D22, or Sexiest Man Alive, according to People Magazine, uh, 2018. Uh, but today, I just want to discuss, you know, NBA Finals, tonight is Game 2, uh, War- Warriors and Celtics, and just give you all some uh, of my personal predictions and just some thoughts. Uh, but like I was saying, man, it's just me today, uh, all my boys, they... They're a little busy today traveling. You know what it is, bro. Um, so it's just me, bro. You know, it's one of, another one of our short segments uh, where it's about, you know, 15, 20 minutes max where we're just talking about uh, our feelings, uh, our feelings, just like, you know, our thoughts and how we feel about uh, NBA and other things. Uh, so it's just us chit-chatting, fellowshipping right now. It's just me fellowshipping um, with y'all, so... I'm going to try to bring that energy with y'all. But, you know, give me some feedback at the end of the episode. I'm going to make sure, you know, next short uh, we have everybody here. Because the first one, it was just me and Dub. Second one, is just me now, obviously. The third one, I'll make sure we all here for our shorts episode. Um, But, yeah, man, I got some notes here um, that I'm planning on, you know, just reading off of. Uh, just some main talking points that I definitely want to, like, get into and dive into. But, all right, man, like, the name ensues. We're getting straight to the point. Um... So first off, I gave y'all my prediction in the last short. Uh, Caleb gave y'all his. Um, so I believe the Celtics will win the series. I know everybody's a you know Warriors fan, and I know I saw the uh, the the stats um, for likely to win or whatever. Um, they had Celtics like like up like eighty percent chance to win, and Warriors like a fourteen percent chance, and I just don't know why. I mean, I feel like the Warriors are getting a little disrespected. And I feel like even with all that being said, I do think the Celtics are in some way still the underdog. Um, you know, they're rookies. They're they young. I'm rookies in being like, you know, rookies in the finals. This is their first time. But they're young um, and experienced in a sense. Even like one of their most experienced guys has never been to a finals, Al Horford. So Warriors are like building a dynasty, as we've talked about already. So I just feel like no matter what, you can't really beat experience. And just talent. I think that talent-wise, Warriors are more talented. Um, you know, they got Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, um, not even naming, you know, obviously Steph and Clay. And Draymond isn't the most skilled guy, but he is skilled. He can pass at his size. He can, you know, point forward. Uh, he's not a bad finisher. He's not obviously a great, you know, offensive scorer, but he does what needs to be done. And there's some skill in this game in all NBA all Hoopers know that he has some type of skill and he's just a dog. Um, but yeah, man, so it's just kind of interesting to me that so many people are on a Celtics bandwagon right now or they're so confident in the Celtics, I might say. But I think the Celtics will win in seven, possibly six. Uh, they did steal game one. 
Um, even before they stole game one, I had a feeling that they could win in six. Now that they won game one, I do think they can really win in six. Um, but I think it's more likely to be seven. Um, finals MVP. I got to go with Jason Tatum. Um, he played terrible game one. Um, but I do think that he'll, you know, obviously be very aggressive tonight and in, in the following games. Um, you know, first finals ever, a little jitters, I understand. Uh, but he can't do, do that too too often and, you know, too many times, bro. So this is his one pass. After that, he got he to gotta go crazy these next five, six games. Um, he can't do what he did on Thursday night. Um, and if the Warriors win, I think Steph Curry would get his first finals MVP. Um, I just don't see anybody else. Like, you know, when KD was here, it's, it's you know, it's hard to go with Steph because, I mean, KD was going dumb, even though there's been a lot of talk of Steph getting all their attention. But, you know, you kind of know that KD was probably going to get the finals MVP. And the first one, the first ring they got, Andre Iguodala winning it, I think it's solely because he was guarding LeBron um, and he played well offensively too. But, um, yeah, I think Steph gets his first one. I just don't think he has enough, you know, like talent otherwise on the Warriors team. Okay, I don't want to contradict myself. There's enough talent, but I don't think there's enough, like, superstardom to, uh, you know, someone else to get the finals MVP over Steph. I just don't see that happening. Clay obviously, can get hot. I don't see him going crazy for six, seven games. It's just he doesn't create for himself like Steph does. Jordan Poole, he's just not going to play enough and, you know, not have the ball enough to get the finals MVP. Draymond, I guess, is like a sleeper, but he's just not going to put up enough points. Um... Andrew Wiggins. I mean, that's another sleeper too, but again, he will only put up enough numbers across the board. I just think Steph is going to put up enough points, probably enough assists. Uh, Steph gets steals. And just like, obviously, the attention and impact he has, I think will obviously play a factor in finals MVP. Um, and my X factor for both teams, this one, man, I was thinking about a little earlier. I think it's a little challenging for real. Like, because for the Celtics, I want to go. Al Horford, um, obviously you see when he did game one, I think it's he's an easy person to choose for X Factor, but I want to go Marcus Smart, you know, um, which obviously ain't like a hot take, but I just think that he he brings them so much, like he gives them so much. Uh, just being that vocal leader, uh, he can score on offense, hit an open three, I think he needs to hit at a very high clip for them to win. Um, he needs to play great defense on everybody he's guarding because, you know, Marcus Smart is very versatile. He can be guarding Draymond one possession and guarding Steph, uh, Jordan Poole. I mean, that's kind of how it happens in the NBA today anyway because of all the switching. But he's one person who can, like, with even without switching, you can put him on Draymond for a couple possessions, then put him on Steph, and he won't get, like, a drop. You know what I'm saying? So he has to be great on defense. He has to set the tone on defense. He has to be that vocal leader. He also has to score points because, I mean, Jason Taylor and JB can't, you know, score all the points. So he has to, you know, obviously give them some type of assistance scoring too. So I think he will be the X factor. Um, I think he's been the X factor for them the whole uh, season and playoffs really, you know, obviously he's defensive player of the year. Um, but yeah, just giving him that offensive impact, you know, controlling the tempo of the game, uh, not turning the ball over. I think he will be probably the biggest X factor. And I think in the whole series, if he can be as great as he is and defensive player, um, of the year type of ability and give them some good points uh, on offense. I think the Celtics have a good, very good chance of winning. I think he will be the X factor for the Warriors. Um, I want to go Andrew Wiggins. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, excuse me. Um, 
feel like he has to play a little bit better than he did game one. Um, obviously, he's very talented. Um, I think that out of all the guys in the finals, he probably is the one guy who doesn't have the most pressure on him. You know what I'm saying? Like, he obviously, he was number one draft pick, but after getting traded back to Minnesota, all this stuff, playing free uh, this season, I think he just get back to playing like that. You know, going out there, getting a bucket when you get ISOs, uh, being aggressive, knocking down shots, playing good defense, dunking on uh, folk, you know, that's what he got to do. Um, and if I didn't pick him, also with Andrew Wiggins too, before I go on to my next person, he has to play good defense. He's, he's a very deep, he's a good de- good defender. Um, so he's probably going to take some challenges, uh, take on the challenge of guarding JB or JT. So that's what, another reason why I call him the X-Factor. If he can slow them down a little bit, that'll help. Um, but then the other guy would be Jordan Poole. First game, man, he played a played a little sloppy. Um, you know, first game jitters. He's young, um, but obviously, I'm a big Jordan Poole fan. That's the only reason why I like the Warriors a little bit, just because of Jordan Poole, bro. Like, he's so tough. Uh, it's crazy that he like younger than us now. Uh, like on a podcast, uh, I think he like 22, uh, 23, somewhere around there. But bro, he's so elite. He got a bag like already. Um, but yeah, he has to be better, and I think he can be the X factor just because of how he scores and he's kind of like Steph in a sense um he can just hit just knock down tough shots and just like just just kills you like defensively you know what I'm saying just breaks your spirit you know you see somebody dribbling up top hitting you with a whole bunch of moves and step back three turn around like before it goes in you know yelling at the crowd bro that just breaks your spirit that's what Steph does and Steph score, uh, scores and flurries I feel like Jordan Poole kind of has that in him as well like Jordan Poole can run off like six to ten points on you in a couple of minutes without even like breaking a sweat for real. Um, so obviously if he can do that and he can help, you know, the Warriors already known for being very explosive. Um, but if he can, you know what I'm saying, do that as well and take some pressure off of Steph and Clay, Andrew, and just come off the bench playing 20 minutes a game, 25, if he can do that, bro, like it's going to be very hard for them uh, to lose in my opinion. Um... So on to my next talking points that I want to get into. Uh, who has to be the biggest star? What's like a question I wrote down? Overall, I think Jason Tatum has to be the biggest star. Um, just the tone. Obviously, JB is a star on his own, but I think Jason Tatum just has to be the star. He has to be the one. He's been the star this whole playoffs. He can't take a backseat to JB now. I just don't think it'll be good confidence-wise for him going forward in this in the uh, series. I don't think it'll be good for like. I just think it'll be good. Um, he needs to find a way to be that star, two ways, you know, offensive and defensive superstar. He needs to get back to being like that. He has to be the biggest star if they want to win the uh, finals. And I think that goes for both teams. He has to be the biggest star. Um, obviously, you can go with Steph, but you know, Steph's been a star for a while. I think Jason Tatum needs to be the biggest star, not only for this series, but this will just like you know make a point to the whole NBA going into the next season. Like, bro, Jason Tatum has arrived. And I think it's already kind of known that he's a rival. I think he's a top 10 player right now. Um, if we're being honest, he's probably within like the six to eight range. Yeah, somewhere around there, possibly like right now. And I think that he gets that finals MVP, you know, he's getting close to the top five. And I think that shows that he's arrived. So he has to be the biggest star, not only for the finals, but just for the next upcoming season and the next upcoming years. Let everybody know he's arrived and that like Braun getting out the league, Steph, all these guys, KD getting older they passing the torch to him and Luca, you know what I'm saying? So I think he needs to be the biggest star just for shit, just to give the world, you know, a sense of, like, peace, you know what I'm saying, that, you know, the NBA ain't going to drop off when these legends leave the game. 
Um, but yeah, that, that's that's where I'm going go with that. He definitely has to big, be the biggest star. Uh, and another thing I just wanted to point out too, man, I'm almost done really, you know, ranting, but I want to talk about like the play style that I noticed from game one, uh, you know, things I saw and just like adjustments that I think uh, both teams should make. Um, so they played Thursday. Uh, Thursday, uh, I was out, uh, you know, with, with some people. Uh, you know, we were drinking some adult beverages. So there was a point where I started getting a little, you know, a little, lo- little lost in the sauce, <laughs> like my man Gucci would say. Um, but I was still, you know, paying close attention to the game. Uh, I'm still up in TV, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm actually in the arena, <laughs> in a sense. But um, I just wanted to, you know, I noticed some things that I think that I, we should talk about, obviously. Well, I mean, you know, I'm speaking to existence. Hopefully the Celtics and the Warriors listen to this podcast and, and they hear what we got to say and they make these adjustments just because of little old me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even if they don't, you know, I just want to give out to y'all, give y'all some insight on some uh, basketball knowledge. Um, first thing I noticed, Boston can't get behind early, bro. Like, I think y'all probably seen that mic'd up when Marvin Smart was saying, like, uh, which was very disrespectful, by the way, when he was like, now, this is not the Miami Heat series. This is not the Miami series. You know what I'm saying? We can't get behind early. You know, we can't have these slow starts. That is a fact. Boston starting off slow, bro. They cannot. And I think they have a, a tendency to do that. Even in, like, they'll lose a game or, like, even game one against the Nets, they almost lost the game. They came out kind of sluggish. Nets jump on it. Luckily, they got that uh, layup to win the game. They lost the first game against Milwaukee. I think they lost game one against uh, Miami. I'm not sure. But, yeah, they always start off a little slow. You know what I mean? So, they can't do that against Warriors. We know how the Warriors are, bro. Like, they are explosive. You cannot get behind early. That's just not a good look at all. So, Make sure you do that, um, Boston. You got to play early. You got to start uh, start tough. So make sure you do that. Um, another thing I noticed, notice, excuse me, um, you can't play Steph like a regular player. And people are like, what, what, what? Like, what, what, what you saying? If you notice the game, and again, I was paying very close attention. I even, like, even after I watched games, bro, I'd be watching, like, the, the next, uh, like, the film after, like, a couple, you know, minutes later, like, I'll watch the, the replays of the game, like, the next morning. I always do. I've always been like that. I really be invested into the, the games and play styles and stuff like that. Um, but if you can notice, bro, like, the first couple minutes, like, the first, I would say, like, the whole first quarter, maybe even going into the second quarter, they was playing Steph, like, like, he was regular for real. They wasn't putting extra pressure on him. You know, like, when you play Steph in playoff series, you guys see, even in regular season game, they're doubling Steph right off the pick and roll. Um, they're giving him a lot of pressure, a lot of attention. It felt the Celtics weren't doing that. Like, I can probably, I, I, I can remember like four or five clean, I mean like wide open, butt ass, booty naked shots Steph Curry had, which he should never get. And I think he was like five for five on him or four for four. Like, mis- miscommunications coming up the court, uh, miscommunication off the pick and rolls. It's just like, you can't do that. Like, you can't treat Steph like that. I don't care how many struggles Steph has had in the finals or, you know, how he can be inconsistent at times with the three and irrational with some threes, bro. You cannot give that man the greatest shooter that's ever lived, besides me, no, nah, the greatest shooter that's ever lived, clean looks. Like, that's just not going to end well for you. So you got to get, you got to clean that up, clean up the miscommunications, which I think they did. They started, you know, doubling them more and, uh, you know, being up high on the pick and roll. I noticed at first they were in a lot of drops. Like, Robert Williams was in deep drops. You can't be in a, in a deep drop against Steph Curry. 
Like, you're not playing Rajon Rondo. You got to be in up high. So even if you are on the drop, you got to be your drop has to be at the three-point line and not the freaking uh, free throw. And you're doing it when Steph's going left. So when he's going left, he can just, you know, uh, square up easily because he's a righty. So when you're going left, you can square up easier and get that shot off. So especially when he's going left, you can't be in that big of a drop. It's just too easy of a shot for Steph. You know, a quick release is it's probably going to be butter every single time. Um, what I noticed, too, um, I think was a good thing that uh, Al Hofer was doing. Uh, what I always noticed, um, I learned this years and years ago, like with guys with Rajon Rondo. It was really, it was mainly Rajon Rondo. I heard uh, an older guy say that, like, you know, Rajon Rondo, he's a good player. Uh, and I know he can't shoot, but he, he gets as many assists as he does because you play off of him. I'm like, okay. And it was like, yeah, all he's doing is giving you, like, all you're doing is giving him space and, like, time to think and make reads. Like, even if you're playing off of him, like, yeah, he doesn't want to shoot it, but he can still be aggressive and, and hurt you by just making those plays and giving him all that time, bro. If you give an average player, like, 10 seconds to think and, like, look at the defense, you know what I'm saying, just giving them with no pressure, they probably will make a decent play. And that's just a regular player. Now, imagine some of these, like, Draymond's probably one of the smartest guys and one of the highest IQs in basketball we've probably ever seen. He's probably, like, top 25 to top 50 smartest IQs we've ever seen. So you give guys like him and Rajon, they're going to pick you apart. What I noticed that Al Horford was doing, this probably goes into his experience playing, um, he was up on Draymond, especially when it was like out of like after TOs, um, like after timeouts. Usually that's when most coaches make plays of, you know, a lot of the game is free flowing. Obviously there's, there's like sets that people run, but like usually after timeouts is when you see the most sets, especially after timeouts, Dray, uh, Al Horford was up in Draymond grill. He wasn't letting Draymond like just dribble and make these passes because uh, they know they were going to try to run a play. And when you give Draymond that much time, uh, to think and, don't, and give him space to make those plays is an easy pass. But there was a couple times I noticed where Al Hofer was up and he just him being pressured in Draymond's face uh, just caused some disruption and like sloppy passes and turnovers. Obviously, I think you can do it way more with Draymond because Draymond's like Draymond's not going to attack you off the dribble like Rajon Rondo was in his prime. Rajon Rondo would get that basket, you know what I'm saying? Like he go, he going to give you a move and get to that Baja. So I think it was a little bit harder with Rajon, but with guys like Draymond for sure, He's not going to give you no, like, three bag moves and has he, you know, uh, tween cross Tim Hardaway type shit. Like, he's not doing that. So, I think you can get up on Draymond. I hope it's quick enough laterally where he can, like, defend and he's strong so he can bump him a little bit on the drive. So, I think you got to be a little more aggressive on Draymond's, uh, like, passing, uh, even when he's dribbling. I've always said that because Draymond gets so many assists, easy assists, just because of making simple reads because nobody's pressing. So, make sure you do that. Um, and the last thing I always say, uh, Jason Tatum is the best player on the team. We've had this discussion with the other uh, my, my brothers uh, on the uh, on the podcast. Excuse me, I'm out here stuttering. I'm flustered, flabbergasted. Um, but JB must continue being ultra aggressive. I like how aggressive he was, especially in that fourth quarter. Like JB just being a dog, and I like it. Um, I think he saw that JT was kind of struggling, but even when JT uh, is, is is on, JB is always aggressive. But like. He has to get to a point where he's just like, bro, I'm trying to get a bucket. JB and JT and uh, Tatum cannot be, like, guarded for real one-on-one. Um, so I think he has to continue being aggressive. I even saw some points where he gave uh, Draymond that mean-ass, hezzy, uh, punch, dribble, step-back shot. And I was like, okay, like, you got to be like that. And when you get other guys on you, like, when you get Jordan Poole on you, bro, you got to go get a bucket. You get a switch, you get Jordan Poole on you, get a bucket. You get um, Looney on you, go get a bucket. If you get Draymond on them on you, attack them at least so you can try to, you know what I'm saying, 
collapse the defense and kick it out or something. So, J, uh, JB has to be continue being aggressive, and uh, JG just has to be better. He just has to play better, um, as you know. I like that he was able to, you know, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Like, combat his, uh, his offensive, like, scoring struggles with, like, playmaking. Uh, so, it kind of balanced out. Um, I think he had, like, 13 assists or something, which is, like, a finals record for, like, a uh, a finals game one or like an NBA player debut or something, but that's not J- uh, Jason Tatum's game. He's always he can play make, but he has to be a scorer, bro. They want to win. He has to play better. He has to continue being aggressive. What I liked about it, um, he was playmaking, but it seemed like he wasn't like making those plays. Like they weren't like aggressive playmaking. Like it would just be like you know, it's like a, a swing ball. You know what I'm saying? They throw when they drive baseline. Jason Tatum gets to obviously make the right play. You swing it one more. You know, it's, it's an open three. That's what those play. It wouldn't feel like he was like putting his head down, collapsing the defense dump off lobs or an open shooter corner three or like push it on the fast break and you know drop off passes it wasn't like that type of playmaking so even if he's being aggressive you don't have to be like aggressive to score you can be aggressive to just make a play if that makes sense you know what i'm saying usually when you're being aggressive to score you're going to get opportunities to make these plays and uh dump offs and playmaking skills but he has to be just aggressive just to go out and get a bucket bro like those plays are going to open up. That's, that's when he's at his very best, when he's being aggressive and he's trying to just make stuff happen. Because if you just chilling, bro, one for, I think he was like one for 13, and, you know, that's that's not going to work in the NBA Finals, bro. All you're going to do is get fucking roasted on Twitter and just be mad as hell. So, and I know personally, shit, I played against B.I., and I ain't shoot that much, and I was struggling, and then I had to deal with that rap too. So he has to be the exact same way, bro. Like, he has to go hard and just go out shooting for real. If anybody knows, JT is me. You got to go out swinging, bro. Um, and then for the Warriors, uh, adjustments they need to make or just things I saw, bro, like turnovers, we all know Warriors are like, uh, like they can they can turn that motherfucker over. That's, if there's one thing about the Warriors, bro, they just get so fast, get like, they turn into like damn eighth graders, like, you know, just getting excited, bro. Like they just be on some wild shit. And it's, and it, it's fun, you know what I'm saying? Because. They're having a great time, and they're making these crazy plays, and most of the time, they they are fishing, and things are going well, but it's like sometimes you can just get too crazy, bro. Like, relax. Relax, my guy. So, relax on the turnovers. Calm that down. You'll be in good shape. Um, contain the others, bro. Like, when I noticed Derek White was getting off, obviously, congrats to Derek White. He's a new father. Uh, that first game after his kid uh, was born, people was clowning him, saying, like, bro, you just had a son, and this is a legacy you want to leave behind? He was like... 0 for 7 or something. I think he's, he must have saw that to you because he's been going crazy. Uh, but, yeah, you can't let Derek White get off on you, bro. You can't let Peyton Pritchard get off. And I think they said he's shooting, like, 50% for his career in NBA, which is kind of, like, crazy. I didn't know that. Uh, but you can't let him get off on you, bro. You can't let him get, like, 9, 12 points. You got to contain everybody else. You got to make JB and Jason Tatum go out there and get a bucket and kick out these shooters and they can't hit. You know what I'm saying? You got to be there. You can't just let them, like, get off on you. You can't let Al Horford get, like, 15 points in the quarter. I think he got something like that in the fourth quarter. Like, you can't let him get six threes. You can't let Marcus Smart get open threes because he's capable of knocking those down. Obviously, it's going to happen in the floor of the game, but you got to contain it a little bit better. So, if you can't contain them, it can, they can lose in six games for real. Because JB is going to be aggressive, like I said. JT is going to be a lot of, a lot more aggressive. So, if they're getting off and the others are getting off, I just don't see how the Warriors can, like, really win because Boston Celtics is like a, double, a, uh, a defense they haven't seen before. The Boston Celtics defense is like a defense the Warriors haven't seen before. So they got to be a lot be- uh, better with that because if they aren't scoring as much as they normally do and the Celtics can keep up with them with, with their firepower, it's, it can get bad. 
Um, what I also noticed, I mentioned him earlier, you got to attack Peyton Pritchard when he's in. Um, he was in and like, he's not really known to being a defender, but I seen a lot of times people were just settling. Like he, Jordan, uh, he was guarding Jordan Poole. And I think that's a mismatch. Jordan Poole should attack Peyton Pritchard every chance he gets. I think Jordan Poole hit like one or two shots on Peyton Pritchard, bro. Like, you got to do better. And I saw Andre Godala had Peyton Pritchard in the post, and he like did like a fadeaway 14, 15 footer, like from the high post, like he was damn Jordan. I'm like, bro, you got like, you like 6'8, strong as hell. Obviously, you come out some injuries and you older, but you, bro, you got to bully him, bro. Like, you got to bully ball Peyton Pritchard. He like 6'1. I'm bigger than Peyton Pritchard, bro. Like, you got to bully him, bro. Almost everybody in this podcast is probably bigger than Peyton Pritchard. You got to bully him. And if you like those guys that come off the bench, obviously Derek White's a good defender, but I feel like you got to tire him out. Um, you got to attack Payne Pritchard. You got to attack Robert Williams in the drop. So, but I also noticed too, obviously the Celtics are smart. They started like disguising and hiding um, Robert Williams in the high screen. So they were kind of like doing like a pre-switch. That's just where someone else goes with your defender and you go to their defender before the screen is set. So like Al Horford would go and pick up Steph on the screen instead of Robert Williams. They got to find a way to do like a double screen to make sure you get Robert Williams in that action because all Robert Williams is a good rim protector. I don't think he can move his feet very good laterally just because he's so tall and heavy. Um, and yeah, my last point on them, JP has to be, like he has to be aggressive, bro. Like, I don't know, but just because he was flustered a little bit, little pre- game one jitters, he has to be better than what he was. Um, he was struggling. He didn't really look too confident. Um he just got to do better than what he was doing. Um, he didn't seem aggressive to me. And that's the thing. You can be off. Like I said, you can go four for 15, 16. At least people know you was trying. I feel like he didn't really shoot that much. I could be wrong, but it didn't like he shoot. He shot that much, um, which is kind of not like him. He'd be getting them things up. Um, but I don't know if it's just, just because of like, you know, he a little nervous. He's scared of, you know. And I always heard, bro, y- y'all remember Coach Carter, bro, when uh, what's his name? What was his name? Tito? The, the Hispanic dude was like, uh, you know, our biggest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our biggest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure, right? So it's like, I feel like some of that kind of goes on the Jordan Poole out. It's, it's, it's scary to be like the number one player at 22 uh, in the finals like this when you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond. When you have those big names, it's scary to be like that guy. And I'm not saying he is that guy. He's not the number one option. But... Jordan Poole has a bag, and he can get hot, bro, and he can score on pretty much anybody in this league. So if he can get off, it can for a couple of games, he can be the, the best player. You know what I'm saying? Offensively, not defensively. You got to, you know, he's going to get attacked. But offensively, he can do that. So I think he just needs to get out of his head. And these next couple of games, bro, he got to go off. Get deep into the bag, bro, and just go crazy for real. Uh, but, yeah, man, that's all I really got to say. I, I was already a little bit longer than I thought. Um, I had some more stuff, but I'm going to cut it off here. Um, yeah, man. Um, Boston, Boston in six or seven. Uh, Warriors, I'm sorry. I hate y'all and y'all fans, everything that y'all stand for. Um, so I gotta go with Boston, even without the hate. I think Boston can win. Um, but yeah, uh, make sure you follow us at Straight to the Point Podcast on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, man, we might, we might need to make a TikTok, uh, YouTube as well. Um, bro, just give us a follow, man. Really support. Um, we're really going to try getting out more common, uh, content for y'all. So just make sure y'all stay tuned, man. Keep following us on our journey. Uh, but, you know, we're on the road to, to, to 1 million. We're on the road to 1 million uh, subscribers. But uh, we really appreciate everybody supporting us since day one. Um, but, yeah, man, stay tuned. We really appreciate y'all. Uh, y'all have a blessed day.